Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther, coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Los Angeles, California, Joey No Chill Prano. Hello, Andy. Morning, buddy. How are you? Good. How are you doing there in Cincinnati, Ohio? Good, man. It's uh, unusually warm. 75. Warmer than it is here, probably. Yeah. Probably significantly warmer. It's been a little chilly here. 59. You know what I'm most excited? You know what I'm most excited about? Is the winter using a fireplace. That's what I'm most excited about. It's a good thing to be excited about. Fires right? are fireplaces are fantastic. I have a fireplace here. It's gas burning. Not the same, but you know. I have a fireplace. It's nice. It's definitely nice. You hit you hit that 59 degrees, click on that fireplace. I told, I told you, you yesterday when we were uh, talking, and it's actually already happening this morning, my girlfriend is one of those weirdos that is already playing Christmas music. Unacceptable. I mean, it really is unacceptable. I thought the rule, isn't the standard rule after Thanksgiving? I think a lot of people do... Christmas music before Christmas shopping before, but like maybe Christmas decorations after Thanksgiving. Cause you got, you can't have Christmas stuff up for your Thanksgivings. Yeah. But no, yeah, I agree. I mean, but, that, but that's I mean, what I'm November? saying. Like, come that's on. That's crazy. Yeah. I agree. I, I was frosty. Snowman was playing in the other room. As I walked in, I was like, this is unacceptable. I mean, it's reckless is what it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very reckless thing to do, and, and it's 100% unacceptable. But you're fucked because there's no way you're going to curb that. No. Well, although I, I am hopeful that, like, it gets to be a little too much, and then we get, like, we get, like, a break period, and then it swings back up right around Christmas. And, and I love Christmas music, for the record. I still have my Spotify Christmas music list, which is still on my playlist. What are your all-time go-to Christmas songs? I mean, obviously Mariah. That that's a that's a big one on everybody's list. Um, you know, I like some of the classics. You know, anything with like a Bing Crosby or Sinatra. Um, the one song that came under heat under me too. It's a great song. Is, Which is one? That, oh, uh, uh, baby, it's cold outside. Is that Bing Crosby? I don't know. Is that I think so. Martin? Yeah, I don't no. know. Yeah. I've actually been listening I, to a lot more of that stuff. I have I have a Chris, you know, people have asked me for my playlists recently. That's the thing a lot of dirtballs have done. Like, yo, share me with your playlist. I do have a solid Christmas playlist. My a very, very Christmas playlist. Uh lots of modern stuff on there. I yeah. like I, you know, I've got some uh the the Julian Casablancas, I wish it was Christmas today. It's a nice modern one. Phoenix put out uh, Alone on Christmas for that Bill Murray Netflix 
thing. That might be my that that might have jumped to my all time favorite Christmas song. What about the Run DMC song? That's an all time. Also right? solid. It's on there. There's also like a trap music Christmas album that's legit. A trap music Christmas album. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah. Has Kanye very- done any Christmas stuff? I mean, he did an entire gospel album, which I guess is. I mean, that's not Christmas. You know, it's just it's just Jesus, not specifically the birth of. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm going to wait until after Christmas. Till yeah. after Christmas to start playing it? I'm, I'm sorry. Excuse me. After Thanksgiving. I was like, that's just Andy Ruther being a a- Andy Ruther stuff. I'm going to wait till fucking January to play my Christmas music. I'll show you guys. Well, it, you know, this is a big Thanksgiving because not only is it Thanksgiving, it's my birthday this year. On Thanksgiving? Yeah, it happens like every four or five years. Wow. That'll be an exciting one. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll see. Am I going to host? I mean, this is all such new territory for me. Yeah. We, we discussed it last night when we were testing some things out on Zoom. You know, I, I, got, I got a lot of potential for what I can do with uh, the house. But it's a, yeah. work in, it's a work in progress. Yeah, I've been saying dirtball Airbnb. No way. <laughs> I, told my, I told my brother Brad that because he's technically going to be, uh, you know, in charge as the executor he's like he just was like are you kidding me i mean i think at the very least come spring you should be uh using that riding mower to mow patterns in the lawn and get you know one of the midwest's largest and most uh over the top wiffle ball stadiums in your backyard mikey and i have built a pretty serious wiffle ball stadium before if if you need us to come out there and do some construction and design work i'm happy to have you show up did you do that out in New York in your house? Yeah. One day my dad was out at work and me and Mikey, we used to play wiffle ball all the time. And we just decided we're like, let's just turn the front yard into a full on stadium. And so the first thing we did is we went to a local construction site and stole like a bunch of the orange fencing and posts. And we put that up as an outfield wall. And then we like, <laughs> we went, we went like fast food restaurant to fast food restaurants stealing like big banners like the two for two dollar burger meal we just like rip them off line the walls with it we put a big flag up in center field carved so, out a home plate area well, wait a second let me let me just go back to what you said the first few items of this stadium that you built in quotes you stole so everything basically everything was stolen <laughs> basically everything we had we had an american flag that was from the front of the house uh, we also, my dad puts up, used to put up like uh, deer fencing, you know, yeah, like sure. eight foot high. So he had that and we took that and we added that on top of the already uh, low orange fencing in left field and made a green monster. So like the left field wall was like 12 feet high. My dad at the time had a driver that like took him to work and back and the driver pulled in like the... Uh, the front yard when my dad got home from work and he's like this isn't my house and he's like yeah it, it's very clearly your house he's like no it's not i don't i don't have construction happening in my front yard and he like had to do a double take and came in so mad and then we proceeded to play like two thousand wiffle ball games over the next couple months every day we'd go out there throw a case of miller light in the cooler and like to the two of us would kill like 30 miller lights and play wiffle ball 
So did your dad, he clearly, he didn't do anything about it. He just, it, it was what it was. It. He didn't do anything about it. My dad's the kind of guy who'd get really mad about things and like be disappointed, but like also just, I mean, this is, I was in college at the time. Yeah. So what are you going to do? He was broken by then. Like the, sure. years, the years of trying were over. Yeah. You're a grown ass man. Yeah. That's funny. I was, I was laughing with my one brother, Greg, about that. Like he came back after college and he was at the house and he came in at like 10 a.m. one day. My mom's trying to lecture him and he's just like, I'm 23. I got to yeah. get, like, I got to get out of here. Like I, I can't have my mom lecturing me for coming in from a night out after work at the bar. Like, like, what are you doing? Yeah, I think it was my, I think it was my last summer home. For, I think it was like the summer between my junior and senior year, like between sophomore and junior year. I think I did an internship and then junior and senior, I was like, this is my last hurrah. Yeah. Like I've got to, I've got to, you know, spend, I'm going to spend my whole summer playing wiffle ball and getting drunk. We hosted like tournaments and stuff. And Andy, there's been a lot of modern, you know, uh, a lot of modernization and the things that we can do in a wiffle ball stadium. I almost feel like we should make, you know, dirt ball park at wall street. Let's let me clean out the closets first, like one step okay. at a time here. All right. You're, you know, what's going to happen basically is you're going to pull a Lou Prano and you're going to pull into the driveway one day and you're gonna be like, this isn't my place. I don't have a, an apple and a hat that goes up and down in my backyard and a baseball field. And, and Mike, you'll be like, yeah, you do. Congrats. I, I was a Shea Stadium, Shea Wiffle Ball Stadium in my backyard. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll have like little bits of everything, you know, a little, little, little nod to all the stadiums. Amazing. Well, Joe, we had a great weekend of football. Actually, it depends on who you're rooting for. I enjoyed it as usual. Sunday fun day in the basement. And uh, we're at the halfway point of the season. Well, I mean, you, you said, you said depends on who you're rooting for, but, uh, your Chargers lost, your Seahawks lost, your Rams didn't play. As far as your rooting interest goes, your Super Bowl pick Cowboys lost again. <laughs> your Tom Brady lost. This is the worst rooting weekend for you of all time. Yeah, well, it was pretty bad. I mean, some of these games were very frustrating to watch. The, the, uh, the Seahawks one was tough. Russ had a very bad game. Four turnovers. Um, yeah, four turnovers. He threw some bad – like, one of the picks, whatever, you know, fourth and goal from the one. I don't, I don't mind him chucking it up. You know, that's one of those picks yeah. where you're like – like you always say, there is different levels of interceptions. Yeah, I that's saw – yeah, it, and, and I, I totally agree with that. And even um, Brady had one of those in their game. And I saw Nick Wright, who's like one of the big Brady haters trolling and being like, I can't wait who the first media to see who the first media member to say this throw is actually better than an incompletion because it's fourth down. And I was like, I hate Brady. And that's me. I, I think that's, you know, you just yeah. gotta chuck, at some point you just got to chuck it. Sure. But, but overall, Russ, Russ had, a, you know, his worst, not even close, his worst game of the year. And uh, you, you just can't do that because, because that team, as far as defensively, is on an all-time historic pace as far as just how bad they are. Like, yeah. they're so bad, and 
you you can't do that. He, it's funny because when Russ started his career, right, it was the defense is great. I have to manage the game. Now it's, yo, my defense sucks. I have to basically play a football every week. Yeah. And, and when they don't, they start getting their ass kicked. And that's what happened yesterday. Yeah. And their defense is definitely suspect. And I think that there's, you know, um, it, it just seems like, obviously, when, when your defense is bad like that, it's a personnel issue, you know, that obviously they're just not that talented because I think we all agree if they had the guys, um, Pete Carroll knows how to put together defensive strategies. That's for sure. I mean, I know Quinn was his, his guy during the Super Bowl runs and whatever, but Pete Carroll's had a good defensive mindset wherever he's been and, and, and they've always played, you know, decent defense. And, um, they got, they got Jamal Adams. He obviously was hurt for a couple of games, but he, he, he didn't really show up yesterday. No, he did. He played well yesterday. I mean, he did, but like, I, I just think on a, you know, from turning around the defense, being the guy, like you have a, you have an all pro safety. Like you would think that that alone for, for like a base, him and Bobby, Bobby Wagner as a base, you would think that they wouldn't be a bottom five defense. Well, they just can't cover anybody. I mean, they had, you know, they had seven sacks. It's, and as you know, it's feast or famine when you blitz. And Pete right. Carroll, historically, he's never had to blitz. He doesn't like to blitz. Yeah. Good defenses don't have to blitz. They get pressure without that. And when they didn't get to Josh Allen, you saw what he did. I mean, the guy had almost 300 yards passing at halftime. So, look, I, I think the NFC has gotten real interesting especially after that blowout from the Bucks last night, taking that beatdown that they took against the Saints. So, you know, it's, it's all six and two or seven and two up top. And, uh, you know, we get, we're halfway through, and I think it's going to be interesting how it plays out. But the Seahawks, again, what I've been saying it all year, right? If you can't play defense, you're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs. Just playing it right. simple. Right. You just won't. You, you know, you have to turn it around and – you know, teams can, we see it, but I, I don't know if they will. Um, and I, honestly, I think that, you know, we've seen this with the, with the chiefs the last few years, like they haven't, I mean, their defenses haven't been as bad as this. Although a couple of years ago they were, you know, pretty, pretty terrible. And only last year when the, I mean, I know this is only Patrick Mahomes, what third season. Yeah. So, they uh, they step up their defense a little bit last year. They can win the Super Bowl. But, like, even that, I think that's a – you look at – obviously, they have Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback. They have a lot of weapons on offense. It's like you can you can overcome a bad defense, but you can't overcome a bad – like a, a terrible defense. And I just – like, this is not trolling you at all, but, like, what what portion of this do you put on – the contract like do you do you consider that at all i mean no, I don't. when you look at when you look at that team they have jamal adams they have bobby wagner and they have russ like dk metcalf is obviously a KJ playmaker good. yeah but i'm saying on, on in terms of their team dk metcalf's a playmaker but dk metcalf's on his rookie contract like not on offense not on defense like where are their big step up free agent signings I mean, Joe, I, I don't put it on Russ. Look, look, he earned, he earned what the market gave him. 
whether that's, you know, whether that's good or not to build a team, I'd probably agree with you because it's going to handicap the rest of the salary. But look at Patrick Mahomes. It's like saying, oh, should he have gotten 500 million? Yeah, he should. Totally. Right. But I, and I, I, but I mean, that's, I think, where everybody says there's, there's a way to do this. And then Patrick Mahomes is an outlier. Well, I, I, I'm not putting this, look, obviously this is, the Seahawks made the last, the last time they made a Super Bowl was what, 2014? Yeah. So, I mean, we're six years removed from that. It's a completely turned over franchise. I don't really put it on Russ. I mean, what do you want Russ? To I'm take? not, I'm, no, that's the thing. The, the, I'm not at all putting, I'm not saying it's Russ's fault. Like Russ has got to make the money he's going to make too. I'm just saying in, in the, in terms of, you know, building a team, do, do it, did they overpay the guy in terms of what they've left themselves with to put the rest of a team together? I mean, I would argue, no, um, well, actually, I would argue two things. I think I'd agree in most parts the overpaying of these quarterbacks is everywhere. So that would be my first point is that if you're going to really want to build a championship-winning team, all the quarterbacks are overpaid. But compared to the other market value, I don't think he's overpaid. I mean, right now, to me, it's really not even close. I'd say you have Mahomes, Rodgers, and Ross. Like, as, as far as there's those three – and then there's the rest of the league, in my opinion, as far as where we're at, as far as. You sh- you're, you're burying your boy Brady after one game. I'm not, I'm not burying Brady. I think, I think Brady, you know, is in a good system again with Bruce Arians. And uh, I do, I will say this about the Bucks, And I was tweeting a lot about it. I mean, the Antonio Brown effect is, it's really phenomenal. Yeah. Like, they forgot how to play football, not just the offense, the defense. It's, it's wild. A.B. shows up, <clears throat> and they didn't, they didn't just lose. To quote training day, they got their shit pushed in. Yeah, it was bad. They weren't, they weren't in that game for a second. Um, they come out, they go three and out, they go three and out. The, the Saints score on, on both possessions. Um, the like they're getting at Brady. Mike Mike Evans is nowhere to be found. Um they ran the ball, I think it was four times at one point. They were saying late in the game, like you're gonna set the, a record. Yeah. Um like do you put this on well, first of all, I'll say this. The the Bucks looked bad against the Giants last week. They escaped with a win. The Giants are improving, no doubt about it. The Giants defense it looks Great week in and week out, keeping them in games. Uh, a lot of times they end up losing those games, but keeping them in games, no doubt about it. And it took everything. It took a failed two-point conversion for the Bucks to to win that game. And people came into this game going like, "This is for the you know the NFC. Like, who's the best team?" And then the Saints get Michael Thomas back, and basically it ain't close at all. Yeah, I mean, dude, they. <laughs> just looked horrible and we joke but it i'm not putting this on ab but there's that part of me who's like what what is happening like this dude shows up and like i said they don't look that good maybe we overhyped them i do think they're gonna write the ship you know that's they're not as bad as they played yesterday 
clearly. No. I mean, yeah, they, they got – that's the biggest loss that Tom Brady's ever had, I think. I mean, they didn't now, get a first down until, like, two or three minutes to go in the first half. Yeah. So who – like, if – like, gun to your head, who's in the NFC Championship game right now? Packers Saints. As far as those are the two best teams. Yeah. I think the Bucs can get there. I think Seattle has a very long way to go, again, with their defense. I mean, let's talk about – let's talk about – the Cardinals Dolphins game Cardinals had a great opportunity, especially with the Seahawks loss to really kind of not take control of the division, but be, be right there at, at the top. Tough loss. They lose, they lose to a Dolphins team. Your boy Tua shows up. He did. Your boy, he played well. Um, I think, I think the thing with Tua is two and um, still not necessarily doing anything that's like, Oh my God, he he's not on the Herbert Burrow level of being an impressive rookie, but they're playing well under him, and and obviously their defense has been playing well, and that's that's all you really it, it, you know it's about winning games. I was gonna say he's on a much better team overall than Burrow and Herbert. I think Tua played great. I was very weary and critical of him coming in. I didn't think he would pan out, and obviously it's only two games, but they've won those two games. It was on the road against, like you said, a good Arizona team. Tough loss for them. I mean, Kyler Murray really played great. I mean, this guy is – he is fun to watch. I know know we've said it, but, I mean, I got to reiterate. This young group of quarterbacks, we are in one of the most fun eras, arguably for me as a NFL fan, the most fun era of – quarterbacks in ways we've never seen them play before. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I think, I think the, the era that we're just coming out of that Roger, that the Rogers, Ryan Stafford's are kind of the end of, um, and the, obviously the Mannings, Brady, Breeze, those guys, Rivers, Roethlisberger, that, that group before them is, was, was the start of it was, a lot of quarterbacks that were built in the same mold, you know what I mean? It's like, this is like, and Peyton Manning was sort of the, the face of the guy. And, and obviously Andrew Luck has now come and gone, but those two guys kind of like, this is what you're looking for. You're looking for a quarterback, come in, build the whole franchise around him. He's going to come to the line. He's going to run your offense. Peyton Manning was the poster child for it. And we have a lot of guys who did that sort of thing. And not every team had one, but a lot of teams did. And then obviously we got that second wave, like I said, of the Rodgers, Ryan, Staffords, et cetera. But now you look around the league and the, that's sort of the old guard. And the new guard is guys doing it in all kinds of different ways. And, and the mobility, um, some guys like Kyler Murray, you know, are running the ball. Lamar Jackson are running the ball. Then you've got guys like Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, who it's like, the the running is a factor, but it's not necessarily part of the game plan. Yeah, it's a compliment. Um, yeah, and so there's there's quarterbacks doing it in a lot of different ways, and it, yeah, it is it is absolutely fun to watch. Then you got Carson Wentz who l- runs backwards mostly, which is like a whole other strategy. But like, go for it, I guess. Shots fired. Yeah, I mean Josh Allen. I I loved watching him yesterday, and I've watched him a lot this year. You can't bring the guy down. 
And yeah. when you have those guys or you have a <laughs> Kyler Murray who, like you said, even on non-designated runs, they're so elusive. They're so tough to bring down. It just adds such another dynamic. And I feel like these guys also, most of them are also kind of, especially a Kyler Murray when I watch him, they're learning when to take their licks. Like yeah. they know when to get down. They know when to get out of bounds. They know when they should or should not take hits. And obviously that's going to prolong their career. But, yeah, I, I mean, I love it. That was a fun game to watch. And like you said, real tough loss because they would have been in the division lead in the NFC West. Now it's, uh, it's all bottled up. But I think the Packers, they looked great on Thursday night football, obviously against the depleted 49ers team. But I think overall offense and defense, and you have veteran Hall of Fame quarterbacks, I would put those two as my teams to beat right right now again things can change but after nine weeks i'd put the saints in the packers and to be honest i'd lean a little on the Packers side by the wager money i just think the, the saints for some reason we all know playoff time they just can't seem to get it together yeah and hot and cold they've looked bad at times this year and uh and and drew Brees has looked old but yeah they looked great yesterday that's for sure and against against the division rival who everybody has said, oh, this is it now. Like there are a lot of people who is like, this is their this is their division now. This is their conference now, Tom Brady. And it's like they now they've gotten swept by the Saints. They've gotten blown out by the Saints. They've gotten, you know, the Saints have put on paper how to stop them. Um, and the Giants, even the week before, it's like the you get it, Tom Brady, especially at 43. I mean, every quarterback throughout history is going to be worse uh, when getting, you know, uh, when there's an effective pass rush. But I think Tom Brady almost has like what I, what I talk about with that, like big, uh, big school quarterback, almost at like the NFL level. It's like Tom Brady has sometimes gone half seasons where he's playing the AFC East or their team so good where it's like the guy's untouched. And then throughout his career, when, when people do get at Brady, that's when, you know, the wheels come off. They like got to him night. last night. The Giants yeah. got to him, you know, last week. And he looks, you know, very, very human. Well, we're talking NFC South. We got to mention Carolina. Now they lost yesterday, yeah. but they're a fun team to watch. They're in every single game. Another QB who's really impressed me and also can use his legs well. And we don't talk enough about him, and he deserves more credit. Teddy Bridgewater. He's a, he's a really fine quarterback. Yeah, and, and they're in every game, like you said, and I think that's a testament. And, and the signing even is a testament to just the way that they're building a franchise, which is Matt Rule is, like, great. Everybody wanted him. He went to Carolina and signed there before anybody could even anybody else could even interview him. Um, I think a big part of that was bringing in, I think, I forget what the guy's name is, but Brady, who was like the, the passing guy on the LSU team, he brought him in to be his offensive coordinator and, and knew exactly what he wanted to do on offense. And then they get like a stable veteran who was in the division last year, who was on a division rival last year, who played, who started, you know, five games for a division rival last year. And I don't think, anybody thought the the 
Teddy Bridgewater signing was like this splash. I think it's worked out exactly as they wanted it to. It's like, a, you know, better than people think he is stable can do, can get the job done. And it's like, even if he's a placeholder going forward, it's like, what a great guy to build around to insert somebody now in, in, on a rebuilding team who you're not rebuilding at the quarterback position. Yeah. And it's the tough, that's the toughest part of a rebuild is like having your quarterback learning how to do it while you rebuild these, you know, this team is, it's in a fast rebuild mode because obviously they were pretty good. They lose cam. They replace him with a vet. They replace, they get, they get a whole new strategy, a whole new coaching staff and they're, they're off and running and they're going to be good fast. And and they might be real good, real fast. Yeah. And we see the effect when Christian McCaffrey comes back, it's like you almost forget because he's been gone so much this season, how tough he is to tackle how elusive he is in the open field. I Are think Bridgewater, he's sneaky athletic. He is. No, he's legit athletic. He's surprisingly. I think, I think Bridgewater's your guy for a good five or six years. I think he, I don't think he's much of a placeholder. I think he's that good. And, and that rule, for people not familiar with him, he completely turned around some dumpster fire college teams, not once, but twice. He did that with Temple. And then Baylor had won one game post all the rape scandals and cover-ups and how bad it was down in Waco at Baylor, he completely changed them as well. My point is like – He met, he came into Waco and just immediately got a following. Like people just looked at him like he was the savior. Yeah. Uh, he had I, – I think he had 10 wives. They were all living in one house together. You know, uh, and then and the FBI came and raided him, and he went to the NFL. Yeah, he was uh, David Koresh is basically what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, basically. Look, I, I like the upside of them. I think we all do. Like you said, they're in all the games. Uh, that was a fun game to watch as well, battling back and forth with the Chiefs. I think we all knew the Chiefs were ultimately going to win, although, you know, it came down to a, a missed field goal at the end, a very tough field goal. But Mahomes, what can you say about him that we haven't already said? I mean, the Did guy he, is just would, balling out. Would you say he leapfrogged? Is he the is he the NFL leader for the MVP award after this weekend? Um, if you had a gun to my head, yeah. I mean, he's got – and uh, obviously your boy Russ's stats are fantastic as well, but he has eight interceptions, and Patrick Holmes has 25 TDs and one pick. Yeah. Guy protects the ball while also – like – that's the thing that Mahomes does that really no one else has ever done in the history of the league is be like a total gunslinging chance taking like like some of the throws he makes you're like what are you doing but he doesn't turn the ball over yeah I mean I think for me the three candidates and I don't I know it's quarterback heavy again going back to the three guys I think are the best right now and it's not even close, is, is Rodgers, Mahomes, and Wilson as far as for MVP. I know a lot of people will say, you know, what about Alvin Kamara? You know, what about maybe even getting some votes for a Dalvin Cook? I mean, it's just the quarterback is such an important position. Also, you got to have more than three wins. Like, if you're the running back on the Vikings and you've got three wins, like, yeah, he's valuable. How valuable are you? If they didn't have Dalvin Cook, would they have? Two wins? Oh, God, no. Yeah, you know, you know, my stance on the running back position at this point, Joe, is 
I, I would never pay him like ever. Like I know that sounds crazy, but these guys are so good. And I think the importance of the line matters so much more. I mean, how many times are we going to see the guys who are drafted in the third, fourth, fifth round become thousand yard rushers for multiple seasons? I, I just look, I, I'm not devaluing. Maybe I am a Zeke or a Saquon or a Camara or Christian McCaffrey. I don't, I don't want to devalue these guys, but I don't know. I just feel like so many of these guys. I, I mean, I think the thing in. with running backs too, in terms of paying them, not paying them, and is is there, that there's going to need to be a creativity. There's going to need to be a team that that sort of figures out how to do it. Which is obviously we talk all the time about, um, you know, overpaying guys and and how it affects your cap. But like to me, it's almost like do it early. Do it earlier and do it for less because yeah. because the running back the second contract is probably not going to be there. You know, sure. I mean, you, you look at all these quarterbacks who have signed a deal and then and then signed a second deal that was massive, or like a Kirk Cousins who was able to take three franchise tags before getting his deal, who then re-signs another deal. Like, you're probably getting one big running back contract, and then you know maybe your second deal is oh, we still think he can play. We're going to take the Todd Gurley over here kind of thing, you know? Um, so to me, it's like if you have a Christian McCaffrey, if you have an Alvin Kamara, it's like do that deal early and, and, and try to pay him less. Be like, hey, we're going we're gonna to extend you before you're even done with your rookie contract. I mean, I know the fear is well, what if he gets hurt? Now we're paying this guy. We paid this guy a lump sum and running backs get hurt so easy, but like it's risk reward. The other option is he doesn't get hurt. And then he's, these guys are going to command contracts probably past their prime. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's actually a smart move because like I said, I mean, these guys can just, do you remember how good Todd Gurley was in 2018? Yeah. That's two years ago. No, not I know. That, not that Gurley's bad by any means, but I'm saying the drop-off level for where he was there versus here, it truly is night and day. Yeah, I mean, anybody who plays fantasy football knows, like, how quickly it changes where, like, every year it's like, this guy's going to be, you know, the second fantasy. I mean, remember DeMarco Murray? Like, it, like, that, like, that's just a name of a guy you bring up and you're like, oh, he had a 2,000-yard rushing season or whatever, and then he was nobody. It's like it happens so fast now. I think that there are, you know, the, the Saquons, the Kamaras, the, the Christian McCaffreys, where they're also, you know, catching a ton of balls and they're doing these things. But at the same time, it's like, look at Saquon. He's out. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and uh, you look at a guy like Saquon, Saquon comes back, Saquon plays well next year, they still have to pay him. Yeah. Where it's like, I'd almost rather have him already paid. And it's like, okay, you're one of his big deal. He's out with an knee injury. Sure. Well, Joe, one of the things I've really enjoyed on NFL Sundays is playing the Stakes app. Dirtballs, if you haven't downloaded already, don't waste any more time. Download the Stakes app today. It's a free app that takes game time to another level. It answers questions about today's games, and you can win real cash. It's basically HQ trivia meets sports meets your group chat. The best part is that it's free, S-T-A-K-E-S, and they have what's called the combos questions. 
which means you can choose 10 questions to answer each day. And uh, I have a few of those for tonight's game. There's some good ones, Joe, for tonight's game. Jets, Patriots. How about this one? Cam Newton hasn't thrown a touchdown in three straight games. How many TD passes will Cam have tonight? Zero, one, or two plus? Mm, It's tough. I want to lean two plus, but yeah, I'm going to say two plus. I have one. How about this one? The last time the Patriots played on Monday Night Football, that was against the Chiefs, Jared Stidham replaced an ineffective Brian Hoyer. This is a great question. Will Stidham, will Stidham throw a single pass tonight versus the Jets? No. I also have no. Because now he's their third, right? Like if Cam were to go down, it would be Hoyer. I think. This is an interesting one. If the Jets excel at anything, the one thing is punting. Listen to this. They lead the league in punts with 44. Which will they reach first tonight? Four punts, eight points, or they reach neither? Eight points. Yeah, I'm going to say eight points as well. And uh, the last question. I like this one. How many total points will be scored in the last two minutes of both halves? Zero? Two to three, four to eight, or nine plus. I'm going to go with zero. I'll go two to three. So, Dirtballs, go ahead and join our private group chat on the Stakes app. After you download Stakes from your group store, simply enter code DIRTY, and you're in, and you can compete with us or along us. Plus, Stakes is offering our private group members special game perks that increase your chances of winning free cash. Stakes is currently only available for iPhones and iPad. Play for free, no credit card or purchase necessary. That's Stakes, S-T-A-K-E-S in the App Store. I always stumble on that. S-T-A-K-E-S in the App Store. Okay. I really need this Patriots game tonight, by the way. I'm in a, I'm in a, uh, uh, a confidence pool, and I picked every game this weekend except Cardinals-Dolphins. And if the Patriots win... I got this. Well, this game is so bad. I will have it on the background as I'm doing some stuff. I I just need the Jets not to suddenly decide to win a football game. I'll tell you what, Joe. The hardest part of moving for me, seriously, the hardest part, it's going to sound ridiculous. Maybe not the hardest part, but the hardest part involving sports is the time zone change. Oh, yeah. It, It sucks, dude. I had a friend who just moved to California and I was like, dude, your life just totally changed in terms of how, like, you'll be able to go to bed at eight o'clock if you want. It, it just, you, like, you keep forgetting every single Sunday, Monday, Thursday night. You're like, dude, if I want to watch this game, I'm not getting to bed before midnight. Yeah. I don't I mean, know you, how- you, you, you said that even the other night. You're like, all right, time for bed. And I was like, no Chappelle monologue on SNL. It, but, but, it was because it was the second the Notre Dame game, the Notre Dame Clemson game ended, and you're just like, I'm going to bed. And yeah. I was like, it's, it's, I don't think people realize it. I mean, I'm sure, you know, Mountain, Mountain's a great time zone too. Uh, but like the East Coast, man, I don't know how these guys do it. These guys who host like sports shows at 6 a.m., like how do they do it? Yeah. I, I imagine the guys who are up at 6 a.m., they, they don't watch a ton of the end of Monday Night Football. How can they? Yeah. What's going to happen when the NBA starts? Yeah. 
I, so I, yeah, like, buddy, you grew up there. Like, you should know, you should know about this. You say that, but again, it's been so long. Like, to put it in terms, I told you this last night, this will be my first winter since 2004. Yeah. So I've been away for a bit, and I'm, I'm going to be 39. So I've had winter in 16 years. I'm just saying, like. It's just a, it's a totally different state of mind, too. It's like when I think about watching primetime games at home on the East Coast or even when I go back to visit or even baseball games, they're night games. And, and just thinking about oh, it's, oh, it's Sunday night football, it's like now with the time change, the sun will be going down, but it's not dark yet. Yeah. I love it. 100%. It's definitely, that's a definitely like underrated perk of living in socialist California. <laughs> I, th- I, I think it. Like, <laughs> I mean, I have to, I have to get my food at a, on a bread line, you know, uh, according to a lot of the Midwest dirt balls. Uh, but my football starts at 5 PM. Could I have some soup for my football watching? <laughs> I'll say this much, you know, I, I don't agree with a lot of the California policies, but I didn't when I lived there, right, for 13 years. But it's not socialist, guys. It's not like, like, I don't think people understand that, what that means. I mean, it could be. Who knows, Joe? Maybe, maybe you're going there. But yeah. uh, I, I, don't, I don't see it happening anytime soon. I want to bring up this Indianapolis Colts team for a minute. Yeah. Now, we have had so many debates about Jacoby Briscoli or whatever you call him. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I call him. Jo- Josie Briscoli. They're going to win more games this year, or at least they should, Yeah, with, with Phillip Rivers. But I would say eight games in, I would make the argument, the point of playing these games is to win a Super Bowl, as we both know. Sure. I don't think they're that much better off maybe a bit in the playoffs with Phillip Rivers. That's my point at this. I, I, I completely agree with you. But again, my, uh, my sort of – and, and the Jacoby Briscoli thing is like I, I don't have any problem with the guy. He seems like a fine you know, dude or whatever. It, it was the situation that he was put in, and I realized that um, – luck retired on a whim but my point was even this Colts team two years ago versus this Colts team now I mean just from a health standpoint just from uh like an age of some guys at T.Y. Hilton so whatever like two years ago Andrew Luck comes off of you know winning a playoff game uh, and then compete like they were there and they were building and that was under a new coaching staff and that's under the whole thing is build on that like and and by the way is Rivers better than Josie Briscoli yeah he is but but my problem with it was like but how much even that like like even that discussion like how like I'm talking right now present day Philip Rivers versus Jacoby Brissett is he really that much better I don't think he's that much better. Uh, yeah, I disagree. I mean, you, okay. look at, you look at down the stretch last year, 
there was multiple – I mean, the, the Colts played in multiple primetime games at the end of the last season. It, Jacoby Brissett's not hitting four-yard open outs. I mean, it was well, look, bad. Down I'll the be curious when it's all said and done. You know, they, he, he started 15 games last year. They went seven and eight. So right. I'm projecting at this point the Colts to maybe be around like a nine and seven. So, you know, he's maybe a couple games better. But you see my point, right? Like when it comes to playoffs – I, I just – I don't see either of those guys leading to wins right now. Right. I, I, no, nor do I. But I guess my, my point is that they're also – it's one more year. It's one more year removed. And, and don't forget, the, the real thing that set me off is like, could you imagine if they extended Phillip Rivers right now? That would be reckless. They extended – Brescoli last year. It was a couple year deal, Joe. But you didn't need to do it. it was a For what? Deal. In, in, ca- in case somebody swooped in and wanted to give Jacoby Brescoli his big free agent <laughs> payday, make him the face of their franchise. Every time you say that, I just want Italian food. Yeah. The the Brescoli. I just don't. Hey, hey, hey Andy. Have a little more brescoli. Nothing about them. Try dipping your brescoli in your coffee. It's a delicious. Put a little brescoli. Nothing about the Colts to me says they're going to do anything in the playoffs or win the division. And you know what's funny is there's there's this the Colts, the Bears. Oh yeah. There's like there's what's this, up with this. There's this middle ground of teams, and you're like, what? What are you guys? Yeah. Like. The the teams that I feel like it's the the teams that win games, but only against dumpster fire teams. Now it's sure. like it's like the uh, it's like the economy. It's like the reduction of the middle class. Like we don't there are no like true middle class teams anymore. There's just poor teams that have like decent records because they're not destitute like the NFC East. No, I think that's a great point. I 100% agree. Throw the Bears in that mix. It's, yeah. There are teams where you're like, well, they have five wins, but they're really tough to watch. I mean, that, that Bears offense, oh, my God. It is so tough to watch. Yeah. And their defense is solid, as it always is. Do the Bears just refuse to ever have a good offense? I mean, I'm serious. Like, like we're going back to the Refrigerator Perry 1985 all defensive team in the history of the NFL. Yeah. Hand the ball to Walter Payton and hope for the best. Like that's 35 years ago. They make the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. And this is what I'm saying. Was there like some sort of edict issued to the city of Chicago that like, we're always going to have a top 10 defense, but never ever are we going to have a good offense. It's a Dick Butkus rule. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Old Butkus. I mean, to put things in context, Joe, <laughs> Jay Cutler was like, yeah, they're, was the leader of their like, most high-powered offense. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And right now, he, like, like, I don't even know what Cutler's doing. I know he's still all around social media, but why, why does the city of Chicago refuse – to get an offense ever. Yeah. 
because they play in like a cold, windy stadium. They grow the grass like it's corn. Like, <laughs> look at the Packers. Yeah, they put. No, I know. I know. They, they play at Lambeau. It's just on, like it's unbelievable. I feel like we need to mix teams. Can you imagine if if the Seahawks offense could play for the Bears and the Bears defense could play for the Seahawks offense? Can we like morph those? Imagine how good that team would be. Yeah. Be the best team in the NFL. Do the Bears make the playoffs? Um, yeah, I guess. Because first of all, seven teams make the playoffs, right? That's right. I keep so, like, I got to imagine the Bears are in prime position right now. Like, what are the Bears? Like a six seed? If, if you consider. They're an even, eight seed. They're the eight seed? Yeah. Wow. Who's ahead of the Bears? I mean, obviously the Eagles are technically a the playoff Rams are team. five and three. Right. The Cardinals are five and three. And the Bucks are six and three. Okay. And the division winners would be Saints, Seahawks, Packers, Eagles. Then no. Then I'm saying no, the Bears don't. If the Bears aren't in now, the Bears aren't going to improve their standing a lot against teams like the Cardinals, the Rams. I mean, I know those teams will beat up each other a little bit, but I think everybody still gets to play the NFC East. Wins are coming. Like the the Vikings are in the Bears division. The Vikings won't make the playoffs, but the Vikings could beat the Bears. The Colts are a nine seed at five and three right now. Wow. The AFC is going to be interesting. So you would have the Raiders. Your team is a six seed at five and three. The Dolphins are a seven at five and three. Browns eight at five and three. Colts. So you have nine teams with at least five wins in the AFC. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. And leading the way is the eight no Steelers who like what like did that game scare you at all about what the Steelers are? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've kind of been on the Steelers pretend train, and then I was forced at gunpoint essentially to, like, give them the respect that they were due because they beat the Titans. They start 7-0. and They come in. I mean, there's, there wasn't really an excuse or, like, for – I mean, other than what? It's a trap game? But, like, I mean, should Gilbert Grape be able to trap oh, you? Ah, you took my joke. You took my joke. I was all ready to drop a Gilbert Grape line. <laughs> it's all right, Joe. Yeah. And, and, and for everybody who might be upset at us, just remember, Gilbert, Johnny Depp is Gilbert Grape. Yeah. It's, it's not Leonardo. We're not saying that the, that the Cowboys quarterback has special needs. Yeah. Although that kid, I think, could probably sling it around better than uh, (laughs) DiNucci. (laughs) I'll I'll say this much about Garrett Gilbert. You know, he wasn't – He wasn't DiNucci. That's what I was thinking the whole time. When I'm watching that game thinking, how did DiNucci ever get in there? Ah, come on. When in doubt, you got to take a chance on the (laughs) DiNucci, huh? You never know. Maybe he's, a play, maybe he's a guy who shows up on the lights are bright, you know? I feel like that's what you say. You're like, oh, what'd you do with that girl? I gave her the Danooch. You know, I just gave yeah. her a little Danooch. What'd what you do? I put it in the Danooch. Cowboys? Yeah, I mean, but, the, but I don't think the Cowboys looked particularly good. Who wins the mm-hmm. NFC East? Oh, God. Eagles? I mean, the Eagles have to play my Giants again next week. The Giants' defense has been. Good. Like, straight up good. I, that, that, the one thing that gives me hope about the future of the Giants is the, the way they're building this defense. 
And that's I guess such a, Sa- Saquon Barkley coming back. That's such a tough division to watch. It really is. Yeah. Alex Smith, shout out to him for watch. Shout out to him for coming in and playing well after watching Kyle Allen get Alex Smith. I mean, what is going on with the Redskins? Joe Theismann, Alex Smith. It's Kyle. it's it's the uh, it's a Native American curse, I assume. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the only reasonable explanation, right? Yeah. I didn't watch a second of your Giants Redskins game. I just like I'm ready to just boycott the NFC East in general. Well, look, Daniel Jones doesn't turn the ball over. Giants get a bunch of turnovers. Giants win. I mean, sometimes the math equation in football is pretty easy. You take the ball away. You don't give the ball away. You win equals you win football games. Can we stop putting the Cowboys, even when it's not prime time? Why are they getting that slot? I'm so sick and tired of it. Because those games are not planned. Like, like that's not set in stone, right? That's, hey, what time are we going to put them? Are we going to give them the A team of Buck and Aikman? The fact that they got that, that's, that's offensive. Yeah. I'm they're, sick America's of it. Te- they're America's team, Andy. I'm so sick of this. They're not America's team. Yeah, They've no been one America's cares. Team forever. Yeah. No, also, that was like, also that was like a that's like calling Kobe Bryant Black Mamba. Like you can't nickname yourself America's Team, and then just everybody buys it. But if you even played in a Super Bowl in twenty five years, you're not America's Team. Yeah. I I get the Steelers because the Steelers have been competitive my entire life. I, I just I'm so sick of it. Do they do they really think it draws like do they draw that much better ratings? I'm sure they don't actually, because who wants to watch that game? No one. Like football fans, are like no one's going. Like if if you're not a Cowboys fan, and I understand, like okay, the Cowboys fans have a lot of fans. All of, those, a lot of those people are dead now. I'm sorry, but like that's a long time ago. If you were like I'm a '80s '90s Cowboys fan, like if you got into the Cowboys, like how old are you now? You know what I mean? Oh, I, I, I love the Cowboys because they used to be on national television all the time when Navy's finest Roger Staubach was playing. It's like, dude, are, like, how old are you now? And, and, honestly, and honestly, if you got into the Cowboys because of Roger Staubach, you're probably like, I don't like these black fellas and them having opinions. I'm boycotting this. I'm writing a letter. Honey, break out the typewriter. I'm writing, uh, I'm writing Paul Tagliabue a letter. And they're like, he's not the commissioner anymore. Well, you'll change the name then. Get the white out. And if you got into the Cowboys, like a lot of people during our age did when they won three out of four Super Bowls in the 90s, you're probably someone like me who's saying, you haven't been good for 25 years. Stop playing them. Look, when I was a kid, it was fun to this watch just, them. And every- this is just one big section of the show where we're basically subtweeting Tug. Like, who are these people? <laughs> I mean, but I mean, seriously though, who are who are these people? Like, like the amount. The, the amount and and, and, uh, and honestly, it's a little bit of an expose on exactly how old Tug Coker is. He's like, you know, I just couldn't help myself. I love the Starbuck days. You're like, <laughs> how old are you, Tug? I mean, Joe, our our younger listeners. 25 and under have yeah. no clue. Like we, we lived through the Cowboys being awesome. 
yeah. a, a, a dynasty, like a mini dynasty. We know how good they were or when they were at least even competing all like our younger listeners have no clue what we're talking about. Yeah. And I'm sick of them being on TV. I, yeah. I, I just, I don't get it. it. It'd be like the NBA trying to shove the Chicago bulls down our throat. Cause they won six titles in the nineties. Yeah. They don't do that anymore. Lori Markkinen is America's team. <laughs> I love America. <laughs> yeah. Is that how Lori talks, Joe? I don't know. I, I, I don't think they let him talk, honestly. I don't think they want him. He's he's Yeah, he's something like that. He's so white and blonde, they probably don't want people to know he's not American. He just does a lot of, like, bore adding. He just does a lot of, like, two thumbs upping. Big win for you. Waving an American flag. Big win for your Raiders yesterday. That was a fun game to watch. The Raiders. I love it. I needed that one. I, you know, going into the late games, I had I had every single game right in my pool. And then all of them, I had obviously I got two of them and I didn't get the Cardinals. But all of those games came down to the wire. I was like, man, I go, I go, you know, perfect through this point. And then I'm gonna lose all three afternoon games. The Steelers luckily come back to get the win. That drop, I mean, well, listen, let's talk about the Raiders and the Chargers. The Raiders, I just think that they're like, we got to give props to Gruden, man. They're building it, again, they're building it in the right way. They're competitive every week. They've beaten the Chiefs this year. Um, I I like Derek Carr. I mean, every week Derek Carr does, you know, more things like – the, the the dive yesterday the the hurdling guys yeah like, it was great he, he it, it's like he knows that they're gonna have to be that team that makes things happen and he put himself on the line for it. i mean obviously he's not the only quarterback taking hits like that but you, it's just you know it's his team so they're and, four and, and, one. And, and they bring in and they bring in Mariota and it makes people question i think he i think the one thing that Derek Carr has done this year is gone like no, I am the starting quarterback of this team. So they're four and one on the road. Yeah. And that's a great sign. I don't know. You probably didn't have the sound on. I had the sound on that game. And I heard something and I could not stop laughing. And I'm like, this is too funny. Do you know that Derek Carr and John Gruden live on the same street and there's one house separating them? I did not know that. How amazing is that? So the announcers were laughing about that. And that, and that house is the center's house. <laughs> <laughs> Because they were making jokes on air, like, can you imagine Carr yelling to Gruden and the guys like watering his lawn in between, and and they're like yeah. doing stuff, and he's like, guys, like just walk on over to the guy's house. Yeah, that's kind of awesome, though. Is that in Vegas? It's in Las Vegas. It's got to be great. right. Yeah, it's great. I'm, assu- I'm assuming. I could be wrong. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I mean, I like what the Raiders are doing. At the same time, the Chargers, the Chargers oh. are in every game. Um, Anthony, but like, Anthony Lynn, you know what he is? And maybe it's easy to do this because they were both black head coaches. He, he has that Marvin Lewis look that I saw for years as a Cincinnati Bengals fan of just like, yeah. like you're shocked. Like you, you're not making, you're not being proactive as a coach. You're just staring off in disbelief that your team has somehow blown another game. That's what, and now, and it's awkward these days because like now he's doing it through a welder's mask. And you're like, oh man. <laughs> But, like, to me, Herbert has been awesome. He's great. Comes down on that drive at the end of the game. 
Throws gets him down there, gets it, and then you go, you go fade, fade. What year is it? Yeah. What year is it that you go fade, fade? You go fade, and then you go fade. To, like, by the way, neither of them to Keenan Allen. You do this. I mean, they're even talking about. I have the sound on late in that game. They're talking about they have Keenan Allen bunched, and that they're going to do some sort of wide receiver screen. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be unguardable. Like, of course he's going to get in. And and I was obviously rooting for the Raiders. And and they, they go fade, fade. The second one to, like, a, their second tight end. Like, it just seems like I'm glad, it, I'm glad that's what they went. But, like, how do you do – like, I just hate the fade down there. From the one? The fade from the one? And, you know, I'm a big fan of rolling these guys out and using their mobility. Herbert's mobile, too. All, yeah. these, all these young guys are. But just ha- like just from a play design standpoint, everything you like, you've got to have a play in your bag that has good design that you know, like this. You, are you telling me that the Los Angeles Chargers don't have like two or three like these are our sure thing two point conversion plays? Yeah. I obviously I know that wasn't a two point conversion, but it is essentially it's one play from the one you have to get in. This is this like you've got some. All the analytics these days, all the uh, the uh, creativity and play design. You got one guy going like, "Coach, I've I've gone to the drawing board and I've got it." And he's like, "What do you got?" He's like, "Put our second string tight end alone and throw the ball really high." And he's like, "I like it." He pulls up his welding mask. He's like, "We're doing it." I mean, Lynn, he's got to go. The thing is, is like, they're in every game. That's my point, and- though. But I think the difference between a Dan Quinn is like the Falcons are in every game and they should win every game. And like, I feel like the Chargers are in a lot of games that maybe they don't belong in, but I don't know. I mean, it's not, it's only a couple of years ago. They were really good. And they certainly have a lot of playmakers. But Joe, if you're in every game and you can't like the end of the day, we measure a team by wins and losses. If you can't win when it matters most, you can't be the coach. I'm sorry. Yeah, but again, I think that you have to look at that on – you have to take everything into consideration. Like, for example, my Giants are in every game this year. and it first makes year, me, though. Right, right. But, but, but I'm saying it's like I think that's a testament to the coaching that we're in every game as opposed to, well, we blow every game. I mean, but last – Again, last, again, Anthony Lynn's Chargers were good a couple of years ago. Well, they even made the joke last night, the announcers during the game. They said, normally it's the Chargers blowing the lead. Maybe they'll win this game because they're, they're now coming from behind. Right. And clearly they couldn't do either. Yeah. I, I just look, again, nothing against Anthony Lynn as a person. I watched, or at least I attempted to watch a few episodes of Hard Knocks. I probably watched three of them. He just doesn't strike me as this is a guy who can win when it counts who the players are all behind. I don't know. I just think, dude, when you have a talent like a Justin Herbert or a Joe Burrow, I just – these guys are going to get wasted away. And on the, on the reverse side, take a guy like Tua, I think Flores is a good coach. They yeah. started awful last year. He started getting them to win some games when they were in full tank mode. He was actually winning some games. They're five and three. They play tough. They play with grit. 
I, I just think to me, like that's the difference between some of these coaches. I, I also think sometimes it comes down to your job as a head coach is a lot about practice. It's a lot about like getting guys ready. It's a lot of you know, getting guys in the mode. Like on game day, yes, some coaches are more responsible for offense and or defense than other guys, but like your your job is the clock management, like like real kind of overriding strategy of the game. And, you know, you should be kind of turning the offense over to the offensive coordinator and the defense over to the defense coordinator. Now, obviously I know you got like an Andy Reed type who's calling plays or whatever, but Anthony Lynn in that situation, it's like, if you're blowing games regularly, it's kind of your only job. But that's my point. I know. I, and I, and I'm, I'm agreeing with you to some extent. And obviously, you know, Herbert's coming along nicely. So yeah, it's tough. I think, I think the, I think the chargers are in a tough position um, from a coaching standpoint, but I don't know. It's again, it's like, if I'm the owner, it's almost like you got to go to the locker room. You almost got to go to Herbert and be like, w- w- what's, what's our move here? Yeah. Cause he is the future for sure. Well, hundred percent. But I feel like the guys like Anthony Lynn. That's the tough part. What makes you think that? I don't know. Hard knocks. Yeah. I mean, you're right. They went 12 and four two years ago. Yeah. But I, I just, I just think they have, and they've battled some injuries. I just think they have, they have too much talent on both sides of the ball. They have too much talent to be two and six, Joe. Yeah. And no, too I agree many, with you. too many 10 point plus blown leads it's just i mean if they're four and four right now now let's talk about discussion. the Ra- let's talk about the raiders for a second the raiders are what what's their record five and three yeah totally different five and three team in my opinion than the bears and the colts completely agree they've already beat the chiefs they have some swagger they have I think they have – they're a team that come playoffs, you never know. I mean, let's not forget they won in Arrowhead. Now, I know it's different with no fans this year or limited capacity, yeah. but they're a team. I love Gruden. You're a big Gruden guy. Carr, to me, is having it's a great year. They got a good running yeah, game. Yeah, Derek, look at my neighbor. Two doors down, I went over, I knocked on his door this morning, and I said – I said, Derek, I got to say, when I jumped over the hedges of Mr. Robertson house to get over here, I thought about you jumping over that linebacker. And you know what? I jumped over that bush. I dove over head first because I was like, I'm going to do it for Derek. I got out. Uh, apparently, I went through a little spider's nest or whatever, a little spider two Y banana in my hair. But I thought, you know what? If Derek can grind on Sunday, I can grind on Monday when I bring him his morning paper. I love that you're over here. I love that you're our starting quarterback. I love that you're the face of this franchise in Las Vegas. I'm doubling down on you. Just grinding. He is grinding, man. The whole team's grinding. I like the Raiders. It doesn't matter what time I get up in the morning. I get up at 3 a.m., start making coffee. I look out the window. The lights are already on in Derek's house. This guy is a grinder. I don't know if he's a vampire or if he's just up reading early, but the lights are always on in the car house, and I like it. I can't believe they're two doors apart. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's one of the craziest things I've ever heard. Is it not? It's nuts. Like, 
Wouldn't you? Wanna... I don't know. If, I don't know if he's getting up at three in the morning to pray or what. I mean, <laughs> that guy, you know, he grinds. He loves Jesus and he grinds. That's two things I'll say about Mike Guy Carr. Okay, Joe, I'll put it to you. Do the Raiders make the playoffs? Yeah. I hope they do. Yeah. You're right. With seven teams, I think they will. Any of these other games you want to discuss? I couldn't care less to talk Broncos, Falcons. I couldn't care less to talk uh, Lions, Vikings, or Texans, Jags. Sure. Is that all? Is that all the rest of them? Yeah. So you don't care either. Yeah. What, what's there to say in any of those games? Look, the Vikings are coming on. I think they can win a few more games. They might finish 500, 9 and 7. Uh, Lions going to Lions. The other games just, I just had no interest in. Yeah. To be honest. Did you watch the Notre Dame Clemson game? I did. I watched most of the game. Yeah. And it's the first college football game I've watched all year. Um, you know, it was, it's, it's more like growing up a Notre Dame fan. And then just like, it, it was a little bit more of like, well, watching it from a nostalgia standpoint than it was like watching the actual game. But I did, I did watch it and I enjoyed it and it was a good game. And, uh, but like, you know, it, it, it gave me a, it gave me a nostalgic feeling to like Notre Dame, Florida state, you know, yeah. like a one, four primetime game at South bend. Um, the, it was a great game. It, it, you know, it's back and forth. I know Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, even though he's on the sideline taking his mask off a lot. So that's a whole other whatever. Um, but, uh, and, I, and I'm sure Clemson people are out there, you know, whining about it. The thing is, I don't know. And I know, listen, I know how good Trevor Lawrence is. How good did that kid play though? I mean, I don't know how much more Trevor Lawrence is going to do from a, from like a production standpoint, I mean, the guy was pretty damn good. Well, and, and let's not forget, man, when you're a top program, like Clemson is right. You, you, you're again, he's not, he's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not the number one pick, but you're filling in one five-star recruit with an, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, I mean, Joe Burrow is the perfect example. Joe Burrow at one point was the third stringer and, and, on Ohio uh, state. And am I wrong? Didn't Trevor Lawrence didn't just, start right Did Trevor Lawrence replace somebody and then looked awesome Wasn't Trevor Lawrence came after Deshaun Watson but directly after he was like their next starter the next year yeah okay I, th- I thought for some reason he like replaced a guy who got hurt or something like that and or, could be or, wrong. or I'm pretty sure because or, or took the job over no because this is Lawrence's third year and and uh yeah but I mean yeah I mean look it's like I said I I'll be honest I was out I didn't watch the game till the very end I, i've said my feelings about college football I, I caught the very end and caught the the fans bum rushing the field which as we know is a whole other debacle which yeah. now which now the university president is like not letting notre dame students leave campus yeah it's it, it's an it's a ridiculous situation oh at the same at the same time like I had no doubt it was going to happen. Like, sure. what do you, you know, what are you going to do? You upset the number one team in the country. Those, the, there was never a second where I thought those kids weren't running on the field. I mean, I don't know if you saw the story, but Brian Kelly basically told the team 
when they win to like hustle the locker room because that's definitely going to happen, which is like kind of a ballsy claim uh, just to tell your team that. And let's talk about Brian Kelly. I mean, I know we're not big college football guys. So I didn't even realize, and I guess it's just how old I'm getting, how fast, but they flashed during the game that he's been there. This is like his 10th or 11th season there. Yeah. Time flies. Well, I knew that because, you know, he came from University of Cincinnati. Yeah. So I, I knew that from his and, then, his and and they've been they've been as competitive for a decade as you know any Notre Dame team. Like I mean I, I'm not a I'm not Tug. I don't remember the Parsegian era. You know like but uh, like <laughs> but <laughs> the, the Tug the Tug being old digs. No, he's just. <laughs> I, the, the, joke, Parsegian era. The, the just the joke is like how like yeah, how tug does tug, even become, tug was actually there tug was doing press for newt rockney's speech yeah. tug in his in his blackish pants we're gonna run him inside we're gonna run him outside <laughs> extra extra read all about it Notre Dame beats army in a bond burner um <laughs> but uh i mean basically my football watching fandom you know was Notre Dame was big and then and obviously my Giants were big but like that goes back to Holtz you know what I mean in in terms of consistency even the Holtz the Bob Davey the Ty Williams like all the guys in between way more consistently good than, than any coach that they've had in my entire football watching lifetime no, he has. He's been the Including most. Including Holtz. I mean, I know Holtz won championships, but like, they weren't like year in and year out. Like, like the, there was an end of the Lou Holtz era, and maybe there will be an end of the Brian Kelly. I, I don't know about that. I don't know if you're right on that. I think we'd have to look at the numbers. You know, they were competing for titles, or but, I mean, how many? Cha- like, how many? You know, Notre Dame's played in a championship game with Brian Kelly. They get their ass kicked, though. That's always yeah. my gripe. Right. Like, like, when they play in these games, they get destroyed. Right. And then there's also a whole, there's a whole other thing when you look back at kind of that, that Holtz era, too, which is the SEC wasn't the SEC. You know, every year it's a different team that's kind of, like, up there. Like, there's, there's – I'm just saying, from a consistent long-term – like, how, how long was Lou Holtz at Notre Dame? Well, Joe, we have this thing called the internet, and I'm going to look it up for you. Like, was, do you think Lou Holtz was at Notre Dame 11 years? No, I bet he wasn't there 10 years. Right. We'll look it up, though. All right, Holtzy. Yeah, it was about 10 years. He started in 86. His last year was 96. So his, uh, his bull record was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. He won five bowl games and he lost one, two, three, four. But he had some major wins. Absolutely. Fiesta Bowl, Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl twice. Yeah. Poor Lou Holtz. Just an old. He's just holding on to the. He's like. He's that guy who's like, I'm not coaching anymore. I'm. Uh, let's see how old he is. 83 he's like all i got is trump like that's like i'm not the thing is is that you know this this is the thing is i'm not doing football anymore so i'm spending my time trying to help out where i can trying to make this country great again and the one thing i've noticed 
is a lot of my friends from when I was younger have since passed away. I haven't passed away because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a champion. I'm a fighter. And this is the thing. My friend, my friend Dan Smith, I've grown up with, he's been dead 16 years. How does he vote for Biden? Just tell me how he votes for Biden. I know Dan's been dead. I visit his grave every week and I, and I pray a rosary. And you're telling me he voted for Biden? I just don't know how he votes for Biden. This is a, a lot of dead people voted for Biden. A lot of people mail him. Look, when I, when I was a young kid, the mail was delivered on horseback. You're going to tell me you want your president decided by horses delivering envelopes? Are, are, these, are these envelopes, do they even have wax seals? If something's not sealed with wax with your thumbprint, is it even really a letter? By the way, I'm looking at Holtz's Wikipedia, Prano. That's pretty amazing. First of all, the fact that he lasted that many years at ESPN, but I don't remember this. Do you remember this when he came under scrutiny for referencing Adolf Hitler? No. <laughs> Listen to what he said. When I fought Hitler in the war, you know, I put my, I put my face on the line. When I, I started strapping on the mouth fighting Hitler. In his analysis of Michigan Wolverines head coach Rich Rodriguez, Holt stated sarcastically, you know, Hitler was a great leader too. <laughs> Can you imagine if, like he did that in 2008. Can you imagine in 2020? I just don't know how 200,000 ballots show up in the middle of the night. Like, how many horses does it take to deliver 200,000 ballots? And, and that's, you're telling me 12 horses showed up and no one noticed? Yeah, come on. This is ridiculous. Dude, he was on TV for all those years. Yeah, I didn't know. Talking like that. Yeah. I, like, I, my Holtz impression isn't that good because I don't have enough lisp in it. Like, it's truly amazing, though, that someone based off of what they did as a coach. Now, obviously, they have that. You know, the, the, Lou Holtz had to stop doing TV because in this time of, of COVID, they couldn't have the chance of him infecting the staff. Yeah, I mean. Spitting all over an entire production crew. Everybody would have to wear face shields. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Can you imagine, but, that, can you imagine if Lou Holtz was still coaching, like, behind a face shield, like, uh, Andy Reid, it would just look like it had been through a car wash. <laughs> he'd have to have he'd have to have windshield wipers on the inside of his face mask. By the way, I need I need a face shield. Can you get them? Yeah, you can get them on Amazon, dude. Because uh, the protocols came for coaching third grade basketball, and we have to wear masks, which is fine. Um, we have to wear masks even during practice and games the whole time. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, we got to get we got to get an Andy Ruth or Andy Reid Iron Man mask. I mean, I need a face shield. I agree. You so I can get him. A, a dirtball messaged me about sending them, and uh, if you're listening, man, hit me up again. If not, I'm just going to order some on Amazon. Yeah, that's that's definitely the move to do. You know what else I need to do, Joe? I need to shave. Look at this. Look at this scraggly beard I got going here from the last four or five days. Yeah, take that down, Andy. I, mean, I, I, I actually have to shave this morning too. I'm going. I'm going to comedians golf today with the boys. Got to got to get a shave on so I can get some sun this morning. Well, the good news is Harry's just came out with their sharpest blades ever. And guess what, Joe? They're not even going to raise the prices on those blades, even though they're the best and most improved products they've ever developed. It's because the they're Harry's. They're the goats. Exactly. 
The new sharper blades are still as low as $2 each. Guys, new U.S. customers can redeem a trial offer of Harry's new sharper blades by going to harrys.com forward slash dirty. Give Harry's sharpest blades ever a try. Harry's has this amazing offer just for you, dirtballs. All you guys who listen to the show, take advantage of this. New U.S. customers, once again, can redeem a trial set at harrys.com forward slash dirty. You'll get that five-blade razor featuring their new sharper blades, a weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe, and a travel cover to protect your blade when you're on the go. Simply go to harrys.com forward slash dirty and redeem your trial offer today. And uh, I was going through my old man stuff. He was such a lo- – Walt was always a loyal supporter of the show, and I opened up my dad's medicine cabinet, Joe. Nothing but Harry's razor blades. Love Walt. Yeah. What a legend. What a legend. Always supporting the show, guys. And uh, you should support us too. Once again, that's harrys.com forward slash dirty. We're going to do calls today, Joe. I think we figured it out. Good news. What did you figure out? How we can play calls. Okay, great. Remember you and I worked on this last night after the game? Yeah, I'm ready. I totally (laughs) forgot about it. Yeah, so guys, if you want to leave a call, our hotline is 310-359-8365. So hopefully this works out, and uh, let's get to some calls. Let's do it. What's going on, Dirty Sports? It's Luke from Cincinnati. Um, I'm calling as I'm listening to the show. And uh, you guys are talking about Ben to not be working here anymore. And, um, and I was thinking, you know, your boy, Prano, your boy, Fifth Magic, got benched. What if we start the free Fifth Magic train and get Fifth Magic in the Jerry Dome with a couple of good receivers and a running back and really test this theory out? I'm about it. I want to see Fitzpatrick. I want to see him in the Jerry Dome. I want to see him ball out. I want to because I'm on. I think he's good. I really do. I really think he's good. So let me guys, let me know what you guys think. Stay dirty, boys. So obviously the trading deadline has passed us. Uh, Dak Prescott, God willing, will be uh, back for the Cowboys next year. Um, but hypothetically. If Ryan Fitzpatrick were the Cowboys quarterback starting today, do you think they win the NFC East? I don't know. I I, I, I think I think with him, he you know he's big feast or famine guy, right? I mean, we're talking about the NFC East. I didn't say they you know make the Super Bowl. I mean, they got to win five games. I would love to see it. I really would. I, I think that's a great call because in a way, it would test out the degree of fits. Like how also fits like I mean we're running out of teams that Fitz hasn't played for. At this point, you got to stick around until you play for all of them, right? It's, it's like it's like collecting the mini helmets out of the candy machine. I'd like to see it. I don't know. You, you, I'm sure you think they win the division. I, I mean, I, I do because I think they might win the division anyway. <laughs> yeah, I still think the Eagles are going to win the division. Uh, Nothing about the Eagles gives me confidence at all. No, like the, nothing the Eagles, does be, like the, the thing about the Eagles versus, I mean, even the Cowboys, even the Giants, uh, like the Eagles back their way through games, and like the 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 Cowboys are lead, the Cowboys give up a lead to the undefeated Steelers and lose that game, 
as opposed to, I mean, when they, when the Eagles played the Steelers, like, Oh, they make a late comeback. And almost like the, even when they win games, the, the, like I'm more impressed by the Cowboys loss last night than I am by a lot of the Eagles wins. Yeah, I agree. The Eagles are a bad team to watch. Really bad. Well, Joe, we have a call about parenting advice. This is kind of fun. Great. Neither of us have children. Seems appropriate. Exactly. So let's see what he has to say. Hi, Joe. Hi, Andy. Um, I'm calling for some advice. Um, I have a uh, four-year-old who is waking up at, usually wakes up around 6 a.m., but after the time change, is waking up at 5 a.m., and I know you guys don't have kids, but you do have nieces and nephews, and I want to get your advice. How do I get my kid to sleep longer? What's your advice? Thanks, guys. Bye. Now, kids' schedules are all over the map, right? Yeah. So here's the thing. I don't have kids, obviously, but like you said, I do have nieces and nephews, and I do have a lot of friends with kids. And I got to say, now that, you, now that I've heard the actual call, this is a uh, – this is a problem that I've heard a friend have and solve through like buying something on Amazon. So apparently there's this like alarm clock slash like nightlight thing for kids where like you can set it. It's basically like a, a, a kid's stoplight. Like when it reaches the hour that the kid can get up, like the light goes from like red to green. And my friend Dave swears by this thing that like his kid would literally like sit in bed and wait for the light to go green. And then it was like, green light, go, like get up. So I guess that's my, I said, besides like throwing a little rum in his, you know, hot chocolate before he goes to bed, I think my only advice is like, maybe check out this stoplight thing. Well, what's interesting about the call is it's a four-year-old. It's not a baby. Now I know babies can be a lot of problems. Um, my question to him would be, is your son or daughter taking a nap? Because if they're not taking naps, it's funny because, you know, with my brothers, they're all different with their kids. Some have them yeah. take naps. Some don't. Uh, I know if the kid obviously doesn't take a nap, they'll go down quicker, which means they're going to get up earlier. So it's a whole cycle. So, I mean, five is early. That's early. Yeah. I've seen it with my nephew who is, he's like three and a half at this point. So he's about basically the same age for his sleep cycle has kind of been all over the map. Um, I don't know, man. That also, I'm sucks. not a parent, but I have been a dog owner. I think reward based training is strong. So, you know, get him yeah. this, like get him, get him this stoplight and be like, if you stay in bed until the light goes green, you get pancakes or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Or straight cash on me. Yeah. Or straight cash on me. Exactly. Not fear-based learning, reward-based reward learning. But I tried to offer that with my nephew. He, he's, not, he's not at the monetary stage yet. I, I literally pulled out a $5 bill the other day, and I said, if you eat more green beans, I will give you this $5. And he straight up said no. Oh, a greens for greens exchange. Seems, seems fair. I mean, I, I was a little concerned. I'm like, if you're not understanding this concept, $5 to eat a few more green beans? I mean, also, also a very poor long-term strategy for you. Five dollars a pop, you're gonna go broke quick. Well, it's, it was a test. 
Yeah. It was a test to see. Yeah, but you don't want to set that test early. Next thing you know, he's not doing it for a buck after he got five one time. True. I, I did set the bar kind of high. Okay, now, now we discussed managers a lot as far as how they were handling the playoffs. This yep. is actually – I like this call because it goes into what managers slash GMs are getting paid. So I think okay. it's a good informative call. What's up, fellas? This is you. Just want to talk about um, MLB and managers and analytics. You guys covered a lot of it, um, but just to show how little the managers actually have decisions. So this is salary um, based between managers and GMs. So back in the day, Joe Torre, um, one manager who 100% just managed off the field, multiple World Series, obviously had great teams, but he – at the time when he was the manager of their last World Series, he was making $6 million a year, while the GM, Brian Cashman, was making $1 million. This past year, same general manager was making $5 million, and their coach, Aaron Boone, was making $800,000. So there's no way a guy making $800,000 is going to have more say than the guy making $5 million. And for the Dodgers, Dave Roberts made $1 million, and their GM made $10 million. So... Managers have no fucking say of anything. Managers are pretty much just babysitters and um, guys that are just going to rile a team together, I would assume, in the in the clubhouse. But day-to-day games, situations, strictly coming from the front office. So, that I mean, that makes sense these days. First of all, thanks for calling us from a drag racing strip uh, outside the Indy 500. <laughs> Um, but I mean, that totally makes sense these days, but the, the problem with this, uh, is, is not a matter of like the GMs getting paid a lot to put together great teams. Fine. Makes sense. And if you're going to not pay the manager because, um, you know, in, in the long run, you're deferring to like analytics on all this stuff. That's fine too. But the GM is not making day-to-day decisions either. The GM is not deciding. Maybe the GM is even deciding who goes in the lineup, and that's fine. But the GM's not making who's coming in around a pitching change decisions. There's just no way that's happening. Now, I understand saying we're How not we going to vote. What's that? How do we know that? If, if they are, then why don't you just be the manager? Yeah, I don't know, man. Why? Why are we having? Why are we having like a a go between now? The GM's got to what text or call the manager to tell him what to do. Now I understand the idea that we're not gonna if if we're deferring to the analytics, and the, and in the long run we think that the analytics are right. So the GM the manager doesn't have to make any decisions because the computer's gonna tell him what to do, and therefore we don't have to pay the manager. That's fine, but I just think that the edge that you get. If you're one of the most competitive teams, let's say you're you're a team, you know, that has one of the eight best rosters in the league and you think you can compete. I think the idea of paying a guy a little bit more who knows when to ignore the analytics is like it's almost a, a price like you can't put a price on that. And when you look at it, how the fuck are the Yankees doing with Aaron Boone and his $800,000 as opposed to how the Yankees did when they had Joe Torre and his $6 million. 
Why? The difference the Yankees make, the, the, the difference in the amount of money that the Yankees make winning a World Sur- Series versus not even playing in one, uh, makes that money up and way, way, way more. Well, I think there's going to be truth to this, though. I mean, if the GM is making that much more, right, we're basing things, whether it's right or wrong, based on a, a pay scale. And, and, our, and just in society in general, right, Joe? Like, like we, we put this level of respect on somebody who makes more on the lawyers, the doctors, right, versus the teachers. And again, I'm not saying it's right, but we do. So I, if you would use that same mindset, I, I bet it is true as far as like... No, I, I, I absolutely think that that's what these teams are doing, which is hiring cheap guys that they're putting... Like Aaron Boone has no qualifications to be a major league manager. He wasn't coaching in the minors. He wasn't doing anything. So yeah, maybe they insert him as a yes man. You're not going to have a lot of say. My point is... I don't think that's a recipe for success, especially yeah. if you're the Yankees. Sure. Especially if you're the Dodgers. Like, again, I will just say from the Dodgers standpoint, the Dodgers, I, I don't think the Dodgers winning a World Series has justified the Dave Roberts managerial career there. Yeah. Don Mattingly won manager of the year, or he's going to win manager of the year. So, like, the idea of would the Dodgers have gotten a World Series if Mattingly stuck around? Would the Dodgers have gotten more World Series if Mattingly stuck around? I don't know. But it certainly doesn't – certainly having the best roster and adding Mookie Betts doesn't really justify, oh, suddenly Dave Roberts figured it out. Yeah. I just think, to me, I understand the call and I understand the the hierarchy that's been set up. But I think – and this doesn't necessarily mean you have to pay the guy more, but just having a guy that you trust to make that decision, to ignore what the GM says, to ignore what the computers say, when the time calls for it, I just really don't think you can put a price on it. And yeah. I think it gives you an edge. You have time for one more call? Let's do it. All right. Joe, Andy, second attempt from your – Number one Minnesota farmer dirtball. I feel like I had a lot of road noise in the last one. Uh, just wanted to ask, if you guys weren't doing what you're doing, what would you do for a career if you weren't the heads of a prestigious sports podcast slash comedians? Um, like for me, if I wasn't a farmer, I'd probably do HVAC or electrician. I'd be electrician because you wouldn't have to deal with cow shit and work long hours or as long of hours. Um so yeah, you know, if Andy doesn't pass his pedophile test to be an assistant basketball coach, you know, what are you going to do? What are you boys going to do? Uh, condoms are forever stole the Joe Biden sign off of my dad's driveway. I'll find you, motherfucker. Stay dirty, boys. <laughs> um, so that's a great question. Um, I mean, in these times of no stand-up comedy, uh, I've been thinking about it a lot. What is, what could I be doing? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm assuming this question is like, I'll, I'll take it from uh, like in a vacuum. Like it's not, you know, nothing similar. I wouldn't just be like hosting a sports radio show in Iowa. Like that's basically the same thing. I don't know. Uh, what, what do you think? What do you think could be your other career, Andy, if you hadn't done this? I mean, look, I obviously taught for a year. Right. So, 
I could do that. My degree, you know, I'm still, I'm still technically certified. I'd have to renew it, but I have, you know, I have the credentials to be a seventh through 12th grade teacher. Um, I love being around kids. I like teaching. I like reading. So something like that. Uh, my mom used to always say she thought I'd be good at marketing, which makes sense. Uh, like I like the social media stuff. Um, maybe something with that. Um, but I also know for me, it's tough to be restricted. Yeah. Like we, we, we're in a job where we have a lot of freedom creatively. You, you know, my, my buddy Chad Cutter always says like, you could never be in a cubicle with her. Yeah. And he's right. He's like, you could, you could never do where there's so much structure, you know? And that's what I, I did like for that year about teaching, you know, you don't have their structure, but you're in your classroom and you have creative control of lesson plans all those sort of things. Um, so I don't know. I, I'd say stuff like that where I could at least be creative. Uh, the business world always intrigues me. You know, I, I could definitely see something with marketing or, you know, those areas. I think this kind of ties in nicely to the last question. Obviously I coached uh, baseball for a long time. Um, Major league baseball teams. I'll work for $800,000 I'll be the I'll be the cheap hire, and I'll know when to make the fucking right decisions. So I think uh, major league baseball manager. Yeah, baseball manager, or even like you know, from a I I think uh, they say those who can't do teach. You know, so like my baseball career, like I think I always say when I was coaching, I just tried to be the guy that I wish somebody had been for me. Like I, I feel like I learned so much about the game by being bad at it by failing at it. Um, so a baseball coach, I also, I've always had a dream ever since I lived in LA of being like a career lifeguard, like being the guy who goes the career lifeguard track, not the seasonal lifeguard track. I mean, I've, I feel like I've got the mustache for it. Just the guy who's like a full time fire lifeguard style here in LA. A it's not a bad gig. I think they do all right financially. Yeah. They're, they're basically firemen. Yeah. They're like, you know, if you're on the career, like the, the lifeguard career path, it's a pretty good gig. And I'm sure financially, it, not only is it not bad, you get good benefits because you're, you're working for the county, right? But it's also, there's some stress, man. I mean, you're, you're in charge of people's lives. Yeah. So there's definitely an element of stress to that. I don't know. It is crazy. That, that's a very good call because in these times of, basically a giant what the fuck which we yeah. live in every day like what's gonna happen um who knows i mean i don't know like like then there's part of it of like could you even do a career pivot let's say you wanted to with all the baggage out there online or social media or whatever it is or our podcast could you even do a career pivot without that hindering you? I mean, I think it would, it would depend on what your, what career you tried to pivot into. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody's stopping me from becoming a bartender. <laughs> sure. But let's say, let's say I said, Hey, I'm going to go back and become a high school English teacher. You'd probably have to find a place where like they were chill with it. Because you know what I find interesting, Joe, is that we haven't seen lawsuits on the other end of things. 
But like, does that make sense? You, people get fired, but we haven't seen people sue and say, wait, because of something I said? Right. Like, it's almost the reverse of cancel culture, if that makes sense. Yeah. We haven't seen like a counter suit yet of someone saying, hey, this is just my opinion. I didn't yeah. do anything wrong. I didn't do anything illegal. I didn't do anything harmful or violent. Yeah. Because of I'm sure there, I, I'm sure there, I'm sure there have been, but like, it's the same thing. You sign a contract somewhere and it's like, you're my feelings don't express those of blah, blah, blah. And when you sign that, they can say, Oh, we don't want we, your opinion is affecting our good, our good name, but I'm sure it'll happen. Yeah. Well, thanks for the calls guys. It was good to hear from the dirt balls again. Once again, the hotline is three one Oh three, five, nine, eight, three, six, five. Yeah. More calls now that we know how to play them. Let's yeah. go. Lots of calls. Fill us with calls. I went to my storage unit and grabbed two big things at koozies on nice. Friday. So the koozies are now in the house, which means I can mail them out. So if you drop an iTunes review, leave your Twitter, Instagram handle. And I know I'm behind, but I promise I'll get those out in the next week. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the dirty sports. You can follow me on all social media at Andy Ruther. Joey, what about you? At Fix Your Life on Twitter, at Joe Prano on Instagram, at Joe Prano on Venmo. Uh, I'm on TikTok these days. Um, nice. Yeah, because, uh, you know, just trying to get in with the socialist Chinese before it's too late. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Just keep, keep leaving calls, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast, and uh, fix your lives. All right, Dirtball, seriously, have a great week, and as always, stay dirty.